You're listening to Novel Bound, a podcast dedicated to making you laugh and keeping you company. Each week, we're sharing all of our favorite books and the embarrassing side of life. Welcome back to Novel Bound. I'm Anna. And I'm Celine. And today we are so, so excited to have the author of <laughs> A Better Bad Idea, Lori DeVore, on our podcast to interview. Yes. Hey, We're so y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lori, I just want to, like, we want to kind of use this podcast episode to just really talk not only about this book and, like, what it is, but just, like, your writing process. One of the things that we were really excited about with Lori's episode, or Lori's book, is just that she writes these very complex three-dimensional characters that mm-hmm. are, like, literally going through it. And so it's really cool yes, being able are. to follow their story and being like, okay, who's gonna be alive at the end of this one? <laughs> and so... We want to introduce her book and discuss it, and then we also just want to hear all about Lori and how freaking cool she is, so yeah. Anna, do you want to yeah. introduce Lori and like her yes. book? Yes, yeah. go. Okay, so we have a little excerpt here. Lori DeVore was born and raised in small town South Carolina and graduated from Clemens, Clemson University. Ooh, sorry. She now lives and works in Chicago, where she misses the charms and contradictions of the South every day. In her spare time, she reluctantly runs marathons, same, watches too much TV and works uh, y'all into every conversation. She's, she is the author of Winner Takes All and How to Break a Boy. Lori, any other input? Like <laughs> Do you like accidentally oh. run marathons, Anna? <laughs> no, but I, I just end up at the gym sometimes and I'm like, how did I get here? I don't want to be here. So one thing that is different from my bio is actually live in South Carolina again. I don't live in Chicago. <gasps> oh, come back to the South. We love yes. it. Yes. Come back. Open yes, arms. I finally, I finally got too tired of the winter and I, I boarded the plane it's back south. That's what bitter happened. cold oh, yeah. over there. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, we you know, I did it for four years. I feel like I really nailed it. So <laughs> that seems like a <laughs> really good amount of time. Yeah. Where did the inspiration <laughs> for your books come from? Well, I lived in a cold winter in, Sh- in Chicago <laughs> for four years. Exactly. I love that. <laughs> and That's no, amazing. I, I actually haven't run a marathon in a couple of years. I've only done half marathons. So that probably should be updated but it's funny so I just don't want to change it you're like, like my biggest flex is that I casually <laughs> run every time I'm doing it I'm just like why like why would you run this amount of distance it's so painful <laughs> Literally, after so- <laughs> no you can answer no you're right I was like literally same because I signed up for a Tough Mudder with my husband oh my, my sister and her fiance and I'm like why did I do this to myself because I'm gonna have to start training to run a tough mutter. Right. Ooh, I'm not ready. Yeah. Well, after the marathon too, I was like, well, I'm gonna eat everything. Like, you know, I can have whatever I want. And then I, I felt so bad. I was like, I can't eat. Oh, no. I feel too terrible. You couldn't even treat yourself. <laughs> I like that after like, giving birth, I was like, give me a freaking brisket, a whole brisket. <laughs> I don't want like yeah. two pieces. <laughs> the whole thing. At all. Yeah. So you know, I don't know why. No, I don't know why I do that. But that's so funny. Yeah. I love <laughs> that though. Okay. So South Carolina, I was going to be like, where, is yeah. your, where do you live? What's your address? We can come hang out. But um, <laughs> what is like a lot of your books? I think I know this book takes place in South Carolina. Do all of your books take place in South Carolina? Yeah, they, they do. Because um, you write what which you is, know. Yeah. And you know, I, I really felt 
I read a lot of books and I started to feel a little defensive of the South in a way from reading them in books because it can get a little cliche. So Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, yeah, there are interesting things happening in the South, interesting people in the South. It's not, you know, all rednecks and and people being awful, which is a lot of times how it gets betrayed. People just like constantly (laughs) screaming about I don't know <laughs> how like two-faced everyone is and they're like oh bless your heart honey and you're like no it's not it's not all like that no yeah no, no. I would like, die for my neighbors bullying. they literally yeah. have my back <laughs> yeah so yeah and I think my bio said she misses the charms and contradictions of the south every day which is kind of how I think about it but yeah so I really wanted to write some interesting multifaceted characters who lived in South Carolina where it wasn't about being from South Carolina it like played a part in the environment yeah. they lived in and things that mm-hmm. happened to them Mm-hmm. I think this book kind of delves maybe a little bit into some of the more dar- the darker elements, especially of living somewhere so rural, but yeah, it's kind of where I grew up. And, you know, and How to Break a Boy, too, my first book was a small town in the, in the upstate of South Carolina, and it kind of played a part there, too, of kind of some of the beautiful things and also some of the terrible things. And then Winter Take All is set down in the low country, which is where I live now, near Charleston. Oh. So Ooh, classy, that one's classy. a little bit yeah a little bit more about rich people and then my other mm-hmm. ones are a little bit more about you know the rural America and places like that so oh. yeah I think I just like this is such an interesting place and it gets portrayed as this really like one note uh place mm-hmm. like place to live yeah. in a lot of pop culture and fiction so that was kind of what I was so interested about yeah. about writing about South Carolina and I I feel I like the South is the it. best kept secret. Yeah. Like no one literally, yeah. no one knows. Like when we moved to Tennessee, I was like, I'm never leaving. It's so pretty here. And the people are f- so nice. Like I I think if anybody moved away from the South, they'd just be offended by how like not polite everyone is. Like after coming here, I was like, wow, <laughs> people have manners here. This is great. <laughs> well, you know, people in the South do make jokes about Northerners all the time. That part about the South is true. And my parents would always give me a hard time about living in the North. And I'm like, the Midwest. Chicago isn't the North. It's the no. Midwest. Your family's <laughs> like, like we'll disown you. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, um, the pariah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So let's talk about this book that you've written. Um, first off, like really quick, how the heck did you get published? Like you're there. I mean, you can do like a quick thing because I really yes. want to get into your thing. But I feel like if I was a listener, yeah. I would want to be like, how does one write a thing and then get it out into the world so like quick quick summary for us yeah I can do I'll I'll try to be quick I don't I don't know if I even have that ability. let me ask you a really deep question and then <laughs> yeah. ask a writer who's written 90,000 words in one book to summarize yeah. exactly um no so I I always wanted to be published I don't know why like what a strange thing to want when you're younger I guess I read a lot <laughs> so sorry no you're fine Okay. I feel like my my dog's asleep over here so she could start dreaming and then we're gonna hear some interesting Okay, back to publishing. Sorry, putting my phone (laughs) on mute. My bad. So yeah, so I always wanted to be published, even in like middle school and high school, I would write in notebooks and I'd be like, Oh, I need to finish a book. It's super important, which as a twelve year old, yes, it's very important that you finish. Oh yeah, of course. (laughs) Writing romance novels. You're like, I this is so good. (laughs) Um so when I was in college, I guess I just kind of Googled, how do you actually get published and write a book? Mm-hmm. And I ended up on the Absolute Right forums, which this was like the late 2000s before 2010. So that was a huge place for a lot of writers. I met a lot of writers there who are 
pretty Ooh. big published authors now, which is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> keep going. Um, so I just kind of found out how to do it. And I found this community of people who were actually like starting to write books and finishing them. So I was like, well, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to write this book. So I actually wrote a book about a girl in college who, uh, I don't even remember, had some big secret and then she had a bunch of friends who were in a frat and it was it was the same kind of stuff as what I write as what my published books mm-hmm. are, just kind of like dark yeah. and twisted and and a lot of drama and gossip. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> I started trying to query that and I actually met my agent from querying that book. So she, she called me and she was like, you know, this book is a mess, but it's a hot mess and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, You've got you a know, good yeah. so we actually didn't start working together then, but I was working on something else because she was like, you've got kind of two problems here, which is that the plot's a mess. And also that I don't think you can sell a book set in college because this was kind of, when that just wasn't done. Books weren't set in, young adult books weren't set in college for the most part then. Mm-hmm. Right. She's like, I was like, I'm working on something else. Like, let me send it to you. So we worked on that for a while and did, did a couple of revisions and I ended up signing with her, my agent, Diana Fox. And then we, we did some more editing and then that was my first book and I did sell that one. So that oh, one, wow, it, took awesome. for, it took forever to come out um, because I worked with Imprint who was new at the time. So I think it was like mm. two years from when I sold it to when it came out. So I probably got agented in 2012 or 13. And then my first book didn't come out until 2017. Okay. And then wow. my next book yeah, came out the year after that. And then I took a little bit of a hiatus. And that's why Scare yourself a break. Is my third book. Can I ask yeah, you a I, dumb question? <laughs> like a really dumb course. question. <laughs> what is it like holding a book that you wrote <laughs> like in your hands? <laughs> Does that make sense? Like when you like yeah. opened up the box with like your book in your hands or you see your book at like a store. You saw like the cover. Like? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. You know what? This is, I think this is going to paint kind of a picture of who I am as an author, but I had been involved with publishing so long and felt like I'd waited so long for that book to come out. I was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> it was just kind of this very Odd time. I was like, interesting. Yeah. I'm dying. Right. I know your Enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so actually I think I got more excited for Winner Take All when it when I got the actual book of that one because it was so much harder to write. I think I had waited so long for How to Break a Boy to come out. I just didn't have that many emotions about it. I was excited. Yeah, yeah. you're like, I, I just, feel nothing. <laughs> <laughs> My soul is dead. I'm like, I am haunted. <laughs> like, Something's wrong with me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, Winner Take All, I was like, holy, holy crap. I can't believe I actually wrote this because I don't remember it and then this one I actually haven't physically held the book so I actually think this one is going to be the most exciting because we couldn't print art for this one which are like advanced yeah. reader copies because of mm-hmm. the pandemic so <laughs> I haven't actually held this one yet and this was probably the oh. one I took the longest on and like one of the hardest right so I feel yeah. like I'm actually getting more emotional over time rather than less emotional Good. which is tracks you know that's a good build it'll be a good build up you'll finally like feel it in your hand and see the cover and like you'll have the realization of the moment of like you did it you're like you're gonna like send us a video of you just being like okay guys I've got the book are you ready to see me cry like (laughs) exactly you know that's about right (laughs) okay let's talk about the dang book that we're gonna be discussing today let's do it 
So do you want to describe the book or do you want us to read the thing? I mean, I'm like, you wrote it. So do you know what it's about? (laughs) Like, do you care to like share? (laughs) No, I don't know what it's about actually. I can do do the quick, like one pitch summary. Um, Do it. I'm sure you can read the back of the book. Um, So A Better Bad Idea is a book about two girls in a small Southern town who are struggling to survive. The main character's name is Evelyn. She has an abusive man living in her house with her, her her mother's boyfriend. And one night he does something unforgivable. She runs into the woods and meets a boy named Ashton who used to be the golden boy and no longer is. And they make the decision to burn down her house to try to kill her mom's abusive boyfriend. And then they go on the run. And at the same time, you're kind of uncovering a lot about Ashton's dead ex-girl or dead girlfriend, Reed, who's also a major player in the book. So that's kind of the long and short of it. Reed is a very scary place to read, literally. (laughs) I'm like reading, I'm like, oh no, it's Reed's turn. Okay, 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 let's read. (laughs) (laughs) You feel like you hype yourself up. I'm like, okay, what's going to happen next? Um, (laughs) That is like the perfect way I think to describe it. Yeah. I'm so glad you described it more than us. And this town. the same. The, I will the town say is so favorite. interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I'm I was just going to say my favorite thing about the description, I think is the last line, which is a reckoning is coming and not everyone is getting out alive. I was really proud of that one. So. Yeah. There's <laughs> literally, this is literally. Home, Lori is, so if you can't tell, this book is a thriller. It's a thriller. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's like, so like if you like, like Big Little Lies, Sadie by Courtney Summers, Little Fires Everywhere, Kara Thomas, like anything by her, Gone Girl, like that, like you have to like constantly read it and the pacing is really crazy. And like, sometimes the characters you're like, do you, I like you as like, you're kind of crazy, but like also like you're very interesting and beautiful, but also like, ah, yes. I'm scared of you. And then like, you don't know if they did it or someone else did it or like anything. And then you're just trying to read to find out that is what this book is. So if you like that, read this. Beautiful. I hope you like, like that. <laughs> but like sprinkle a little bit of like culture into it and like some yeah. like, yeah, it's it's beautiful, beautiful. Oh yeah. Well, cause as the characters, like they basically start running away and as you're reading like all of these things from their pasts, you learn as like all the new places they go and you're having flashbacks of Ashton's girlfriend and like you're figuring out who she is as a character and who she basically made Ashton to be. And it's like, and then you have Evelyn's whole story and who she wants and what she wants. And like, I cannot like give enough praises for how well you wrote these characters. They are so amazing. I know. So what do you want to discuss first? This is your first time really being able to like talk about this book, like with Mm -hmm. people that have like read it that are like, okay. Um, Also this book comes out March 16th. Yeah. Yeah, March 16th. 16th. And so, um, but so like not a ton of people have read it. So we're able to like be, I, do you want to talk about moving the timeline? Like how you shifted the timeline to create tension or about creating those character voices? What do you want to talk about first? Like dive in, dive in. What do you want to do? Sure. So I can talk a little bit since we're talking kind of about the structure of it is that mm-hmm. the idea behind the structure is in the first act, you kind of get this flashback between what happens before the incident with, with the abusive man or and what happens after it so mm-hmm. you kind of are going from from place to place time to time mm-hmm. and the whole idea is that I really wanted Evelyn to start kind of trying to pick up on some of Reed's traits throughout the first and second act of really oh my gosh yes her. Mm-hmm. so that was kind the of parallels. the whole idea yes yeah so 
and there's a couple of places, of course, you would have to, you would probably have to read this book like 10 times to ever catch this. There's a couple of places where she'll actually use the same phrasing of things as Reed is using in other parts. Wow. Yes. So you can kind of see the way that they're It's almost each like other. Black Swan vibes. You know what I mean? Like that movie yeah, where it's like, Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the characters are very parallel to each other. They're like not foils because they like almost, they're in the exact same situations. Do you want to mm-hmm. like actually describe these three sure. characters? Because I think yeah, like absolutely. you literally know their yeah. souls. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like when you spend that much time writing them, you're like, why do I know so much about <laughs> these people that don't I know I'm like please tell me who hurt Reed and why she's <laughs> like this no so um Evelyn is is kind of someone who's always lived in poverty she has suffered from abuse you know not just from this current boyfriend of her mother's but throughout her life she's kind of been torn down she's had any agency on a lot of times that's been by the men in her life so that's really affected her and at the beginning of the book, I just feel like she doesn't feel like she has a lot to live for. And, and kind of adopting this Reed persona throughout the book is what makes her feel like she does until she kind of comes to this conclusion. Like, no, I have to learn to like myself. I have to figure out, mm-hmm. you know, I have to start making my own decisions. And, and some of that's destructive and some of that I think is productive. So that's interesting. Ashton in my head was kind of interestingly like a manic pixie dream boy for both of the girls. So it's kind of a cipher in some ways for both Reed and Evelyn. They put what they want him to be onto him and he doesn't oh, yeah. feel like he, he knows who he is. So he, mm-hmm. um, he kind of takes on whatever someone gives him, you know, Yeah. which I thought was really interesting because I don't know, he's a harder character, I think, even than Reed and Evelyn to really feel like you know or, or like, but I that's yeah. kind of what I find interesting about Their him. dynamic was crazy, too. Like, when they were doing Truth or Dare, she's like, what would you do if I was Reed? I was like, holy crap. Like, girl, you can just, like, say that to him. I was like, dude. <laughs> like, their relationship, I was like, what? Okay, keep going. So back to Yeah, no, so Ashton's kind of, and I, know, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I even mentioned, he, he was like, this, he, you know, his family is pretty wealthy for this area. I wanted to get there. Mm-hmm. It's not, they're not super wealthy or anything. They are wealthy, though. But compared to, like, they live where in. Evelyn exactly. lives in, like, a trailer. Yes. It's a very poverty-stricken area of, of South Carolina where they live. And so he's always kind of had this great life where people people like him and know him. But when Reed dies, he, he really falls apart and becomes an alcoholic. So he has a lot of problems when-, when I don't feel starts. safe with him. Well, that's like, can I just make a quick commentary? Is that like, yeah, Evelyn, absolutely. well, like, and I, I feel like I'm like, let's dissect your book that you wrote, but like, I love oh. doing this, but like Evelyn, like what has been constantly shoved into situations that her mom has put her in where like, she's stuck with these like abusive boyfriends and like just bad things. And then she runs off with the drunken, scary, like very, and I'm just like, Evelyn, no, <laughs> like, cause she's been really good. Cause like the whole book, she was put into situations where like, she could choose to like follow her mother's footsteps and like, you know, go with this boy just because she like thinks that she should and she doesn't, but then like, she like runs off with, and I'm like, is he drunk? Is he drunk the whole time? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. What did you like describe to me? Like kind of like Evelyn and Ashton's dynamic and why she kind of chose to rely on Ashton. Like I would, lo- I would love to know that, like what her I motivation think- was. Evelyn's whole thing with Ashton is less about Ashton and more that Ashton is in relation to Reed because the whole time Evelyn's mm -hmm. really obsessed with Reed just kind of her filling in this Reed position that she imagines herself to be in and that's yes really the connection with Ashton 
Okay, question. Well, because... Yeah. Oh, go. Sorry. Go. Sorry. No, I was just saying, because, like, throughout the book, like, the more that Ashton tells Evelyn about Reed, the more she's, like, she's not even, like, this person who I have in my head that is Reed, like, doesn't even exist. Reed was yeah. never this person. Yeah. Like, that's such an interesting dynamic to read. Like, she needs Ashton to fill in these blanks for her to, like, make her come to the realization. Yeah, so was exactly. was she obsessed I mean, with Reed or was she obsessed with being Reed? That's my question too. Like, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I mean, I think I, the way I think about it is she's both. She's obsessed yes. with mm-hmm. Reed and also probably in, she thinks she's in love with Reed. So yeah. it's kind of that interesting dynamic it's that so she crazy. doesn't like, I think it's both. It's like a simple I, I favor think, kind yeah. of, right? Like we're like. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, which is also really yeah definitely well and I like I always pictured Reed as like anyone listening to this like picture the most popular prettiest girl in your high school like who looks so perfect like that is the persona of who Reed wants everyone to see her as and like sprinkle yeah. on her mind That's- like trauma <laughs> yes <laughs> literally <laughs> yeah I I mean I it's funny I was just um this is my first book that's going to have an audiobook to go along with it. So oh, that cool. will also be out of oh, March. Awesome. And we were, we were trying to figure out who was going to do the voices for, for Evelyn and Reed. And just kind of, I was talking to the producer about it and I was like, I want the person who plays Reed. I know they can't actually do this in the audiobook setting, but to really be just like chewing the scenery every time, you know, she's talking in that, you know, she's, she's having a lot of fun saying these horrible things and just kind of being horrible to people, but mm-hmm. like you kind of see her over time breaking down. Like, oh yeah. Such a bad well, like, place. That was oh, what was yeah. so crazy is like, so like I kept being like, okay, so this is all going to result. And it does like, there is resolution in the end, but like, what's crazy is I'm literally sitting there like, oh no, everyone's spiraling. They're just going to lose their minds. Like there is like an unreliable narrator where I'm like, mm-hmm. is this their perceived reality or is this actually reality? I was like, everyone, what's happening? Like, <laughs> It is yeah. so fascinating because everyone spirals kind of at like similar points, but different points. Yeah. And you like to pinpoint all of their, like their, their like come hither moments where they're like, oh my gosh, they like have like this big realization. And even if it's like kind of small, it's big to them. Like- Reed and Evelyn have this moment and like it's from Reed's perspective and you like reading it and she's like I do it because I can and I know she's gonna respond to me and I'm gonna get something out of it and you're like and then she's like isn't that freaking horrible and you're like yeah girl it is like you're like Reed no well okay so like you have not described Reed so why don't you introduce us to Reed and all that she is because I have a million questions about her and how you wrote her and how you like were able to stay in her head without being like I'm scared of you like how did you do this because you seem like a nice person how did you write that yeah, I, I always say my first when my first book came out, a lot of people were like, I'm scared of Laurie DeVore now. And I was like, what? <laughs> I think I just have this. I'm a very logical person. So I think a lot of times I'm just writing these things and I'm thinking, you know, okay, and then what would they do next? And I kind of yeah. understand why they're doing it. And then I yeah. kind of like later, like a year or two later, I'm like, holy crap, like that was <laughs> but I didn't like realize it at the time you know I was just like well what would they do mm-hmm. next what would be the next self-destructive move that this person would do because I do yes. think people are actually really self-destructive a lot of times in bad situations you know they don't yes. do especially what yeah 
to like put to give these kids unfortunately well not unfortunately but you gave everybody so much empathy because you understand why these characters are are as like self-destructive as they are where you're like crap Mm -hmm. I can't just like disassociate with these characters like well they're (laughs) yeah their inner monologue is so relatable because like the things that they're thinking are things that like you read this and you're like I've definitely had moments in my life where like I've been thinking the same thing like it's so relatable Mm-hmm. And these characters have never been set up in their lives to make the right choices. You know, they've never no. seen that mirrored. So that's, you know, it's, you know, when kids grow up like that, like they don't know yeah. what it looks like to make the right choices. Mm-hmm. So people do that all the and time. And it was a I good mean, commentary reality. on that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Of like yeah. the fact that like, I'm so glad that there are like educational programs for low income, you know, neighborhoods where like they can get like mentoring. And, you know what I mean? I'm so glad we have like, because that like basically if they if those programs and stuff didn't exist then you would have a lot more situations like this like domestic violence is so common and it's it's horrific you know and so I I am like amazed at the way you you wrote it I was so scared of Dane (laughs) Dane is the abusive mom's boyfriend when you talk about the way his moods shift like when you walk in you've said six words six words about this man and I'm like get us out of here Kara Kara we're leaving like what (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I do think too, just, you know, it's not just low, you know, to be clear, it's not just like low income neighborhoods where people are making yeah. bad choices either. Cause like, yeah. Yeah. Mall is kind of my book about rich people and all the horrible choices they make. Rich people they also taught, are the worst. Yes. Well, been taught to, worst, to handle things we're all the worst. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Celine. But, and I, I got so off on this too. I think you asked me about Reed and now I'm talking about something totally different. But yeah, um, and Dane, I think too, Dane, I think too, it's a lot about, a lot of, you know, writing a better, bad idea was about dealing with people's mental illnesses too. I was thinking a lot about that and that plays a part in in how Dane acts. And and I wanted to make sure I never let him off the hook. I let readers know that that Mm -hmm. was, you know, that was affecting what, how he was thinking of things, but definitely not that. um, Yeah. That, that excuse you didn't, anything he was doing. You didn't so, make I him think, a flat character. He wasn't like a like a dumb mm-hmm. bad villain. He was like, which is worse because honestly, you made him real. Which I think like when I was reading the description, I like have I know people that are like that where it's like oof, and like I have experienced things like that in my life where I'm like, yep, that and it's real. Like those, that's exactly how someone becomes like that. That's exactly mm-hmm. how. So like honestly, if anything, you made him scarier. <laughs> I was like yep that's real he's real like but um and that's good too because I you know and you want to feel like Evelyn's fear of him too which hopefully Mm -hmm. came through on the page why you gotta throw Kara in there gosh Kara I'm a mom (laughs) I was like she's six (laughs) I love her gosh darn it I want to braid her hair and like tell her she's okay and read her a bedtime story (laughs) yeah it's very you know, I never intentionally, but I always think it's kind of like Hunger Games vibes of like protect yeah. the little sister, um, kill mm-hmm. for the little sister. So that was kind of, I do think about that when, you know, when we're talking about it. So. Yeah. Well, and even like I kind of like getting back to Evelyn a little bit, like I love the that you made it so realistic in the way of like, she knows she's like, well, I have to take care of myself and my family and no one else is going to do it. I have to save my, I've like, have to do this myself. I have to save them myself and save myself. And like her journey of like realizing that, that like, of like only being able to rely on herself, but then suddenly like Ashton's there and they're like unreliably relying on each other, like in kind of the worst and best ways. And like how they figure out like what their relationship like 
kind of is and isn't and what they yeah. mean to each other and just the journey she goes through like you get to the end and you're finally like yes Evelyn like you can save yourself like you deserve so much better and like now she finally knows it like she believes that she can do better for herself yeah yeah I that was kind of interesting because I had this idea of like the super bleak ending when I was writing that would kind like of like what what <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I was never entirely sure and that's probably why it didn't work but it was mm -hmm. kind of about it was going to be like about the cycle of abuse and you know seeing mm -hmm. like, um but it just it didn't work like it was too depressing and it were like Ashton know, it, and Evelyn gonna like stay together or like what no no it was I I, I it just didn't work he needed the catharsis at the end and you know I think it's interesting too with with kind of the world we're all living in right now that environment that when people have read it, they were like, I needed that catharsis at the end of-, of Oh, you do. Getting, oh, definitely. Getting oh, that payoff. I needed the I was like sweating getting to the end because I was so close and I was like, she's gotta have like something good happen. Something good just like has to happen. And like, she has to be happy and there's gotta be an uplifting note. And it, you gave it to us. You fed yeah. us. Clearly, so you know, this you. is our first thriller. So we're just sitting there like, wait, <laughs> what? I know. Of course, I mean like not to be like you could be in for some disappointments but <laughs> well you have to tell us about a like um she was telling us earlier before we like met up or when we before we started recording where like her covers are very like pop they like pop and they have all this beautiful color to them and, and they're like oh it's like a rom-com not a rom-com not a rom-com <laughs> no you're you will have fun but not in the way you think you will <laughs> mm -hmm. but it's honestly yeah. like I wrote down that when I was reading through this, that like, this is what I wrote. It's hard seeing the way that classism and abuse can really affect perceptions and confidence. It's hard seeing them go through what they did and that parents' choices in domestic violence, which I think Evelyn represented, emotional abuse, like hit, that was from Ashton and mental health, which was Reed. It really affected the way that these characters lived. And I just thought that it was very interesting that not only did you like have these characters symbolize these things, but also like have them like they're constantly moving and like you can't stop mm -hmm. and it's like a narrative and it's interesting without like having to like be like so this person symbolizes the you know what I mean like it felt like yeah real, and but. actually I thought the coolest thing about that question is that you know I never came out and said Reed has mental health issues that you guys picked up on that because that was kind of mm. to me that's something that people wouldn't realize where she lives it would you know it would take yeah. time and, and someone yeah. really wanting to work with her and help her for for people to realize, you know, like what was going on with her mental health yeah. wise. So I thought that was, that was awesome that you guys figured that out. You know, you didn't need yes. me to tell you, you yeah. know, Reed has mental health issues. You, you were like, okay, I read this. And like, that's obviously what's going on here. Especially, you know, in the small town South, a 16 year old girl acting bizarre, which Reed does quite a few bizarre things. People are yeah. going to be like, oh, and, and now we need to take her to a therapist. They're going to be like, well, that, that girl's crazy. Like, you know, she just wants to yeah. So that I thought that was, I thought it was great that you guys even noticed that. Okay. That was so interesting to me. We recognize it because we have it. <laughs> We're like, mm, that sounds like me. Drama. <laughs> mm. No, I also was thinking like, why? Because Reed, we never go into any backstory. Well, do we, Anna? Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like there isn't a backstory for Reed. And I was like, so what is pushing this like spiral of Reed's? And obviously it was because like, um, I, I she felt like she lost Ashton's like attention yeah. but like I was like no 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 like this has to so that's why I, I was like this feels like mental health yeah kind of so yeah. just to put like my input because kind of what I got from Reed a little bit is that because like you learn that her like Reed's grandmother so her mom's mom grew up in a single mom and like kind of back before everyone 
kind of was like more accepting of it. Yeah. And so Reed's mom grew up always being like, well, I like just craving to fit in and be that perfect girl. And so I think she just like pushed that persona onto Reed so yeah. much that Reed was like, well, I'll do anything to keep this up. And she like, right. she like crossed too many lines in her mind and she just couldn't go back from that. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's exactly it. That's totally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's kind of some hints in there too about, you know, some health, some mental health issues her mom may have had. So I Mm kind of think it's like a generational trauma thing. Mm -hmm. And actually, have you guys ever seen Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the show? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I I thought of Reed as like the dark Rebecca Buttons from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and that's kind of how I wrote her. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Honestly, yes. Because well, she like, ends up in these situations and you're like, girl, like, go home. It's okay. Yeah. You just take a moment well, to, like. What I thought was so crazy, too. So, like, let's talk about Ashton Reed's. Like, I don't even think we ended up describing what Reed's character was. We just dove yeah. straight into <laughs> So, why don't you tell us about Reed and sure. what Ashton is to her and all that stuff? Let's go ahead yeah, and so I think Reed is. She's very charismatic, but she uses that in a way to push people away. She likes to say shocking things and get a rise out of people. So like mostly I think Reed is just super, super extra at a place where it's not okay to be that extra, but she enjoys her ostrac- ostracization. Yeah. And when someone like yeah. comes back to her, it like proves <clears throat> that like they're attached to her and that makes her feel power. Right. And yeah, I just think she enjoys shocking people and, and upsetting people, but she's actually a super magnetic person. So people yeah. are drawn to her in a certain way. So Ashton, yes. I think, so Reed and Ashton have a very volatile relationship. And, but Ashton kind of craves that because it makes yeah, him why feel does special. He yeah. He, he's just, I think he- They said that there's something missing, that he's craving something missing. Remember how, like, mm-hmm. remember yeah. how in that book that you wrote, that like you wrote this? <laughs> No, but like there's a, he's like, when she notices him, she's like, he's, what was that that he was missing? That he wanted? I think he just, he'd feel like he never quite fit into this persona. He was kind of projecting of this perfect yeah. golden boy. And, you know, you know, in the book, Ashton's very religious and he doesn't, that doesn't ever change. He's still religious, but mm-hmm. he, I think it, it's kind of, he's always been like, this is who you are. You, you live in the South, you're religious, you're going to marry this nice girl and you're just going to keep living life this way. Yeah. And he's kind of pushing him back, back against that. And when Reed pays attention to him with Reed being this, this outsider kind of, that's really flattering to him. And that's kind of what draws him into it. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I, it was so fascinating to me that he like, he didn't really let Reed manipulate him at first, but at the point when you're like, he should realize what's going on. I think he like unconsciously realized what was happening and was like, well, like I need this direction in my life. Like she's filling this void. So he like keeps letting her do it. And then there comes a moment when he realizes like just how far she's gone to manipulate him. And then he like, that starts his like spiraling for him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like so fascinating. Cause like, it happens or, or like you read the, the moment it happens later on in the book, but it connects the pieces for like the going all the way back, like why he acts the way he does and like why he's so reliant on like getting drunk all the time and just the alcohol. Yeah. And yeah, there's <gasps> a, yeah, there's kind of the moment where he's, he's drinking and 
Mm -hmm. I remember my copy editor left me a note and she was like, is this the first time he's drank? I'm not sure about that. And I'm like, you're just thinking about all the future times. Like he, you know, he's never (laughs) consumed any alcohol to this point. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of, yeah, you kind of see the start of his spiral at the end of the book. So that's crazy. Yeah, it was fascinating. What was it like? like, It made me feel like super empathetic towards him too. I was like, oh, Oh, I know. My like sweet child, just open your eyes. That's what sucks so much is that like these characters, you just have so much empathy for all of them. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. I mean, I think- I'm like, oh, I love them so much. Oh, <laughs> I can't stop reading it. <laughs> also, can we talk about your writing style? Holy crap, girl. So like one of the things that I love about Lori's writing style is if you've read The Book Thief or like anything by Maggie Stiefvater or like Raven Boys, like she is like, I just really like how like lyrical and descriptive. I literally saved notes oh of my what gosh. you wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought it was like fascinating how you write that and just like, did that come naturally for you? How did you find such a powerful voice? Well, um, hi, how are you are the way that you are? Explain it. Simple question. I mean, I don't know. I just, I actually, it's funny. when you, I read your notes right before we started and the, the Maggie Stiefvater note, I remember not this book, but I was writing my second book and I read um, Dream Thief, I think is the second book in the Raven's Voice. Mm-hmm. I was rereading it and I felt myself not, not necessarily mimicking, but kind of like picking up some of the, the quirks of how oh, Maggie yeah. writes as I was working on my book. And I was like, wow, my writing has suddenly gotten so much better <laughs> as I'm like doing this. Um, but yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, that's always been my style you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like very fluid. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's, I was telling Anna, I was like, little. it's so beautiful. But like writing itself is so beautiful. It's like painful <laughs> because like, I want these people to be okay, but like their writing is so beautiful. I'll like read <laughs> for you guys, like what it is. Okay. Um, so this is when she's running from the abusive situation into the woods. She goes, I hear the crash of plates breaking and see welts on pale arms, smell food burning, and I'm lost in them. And now my skin vibrates to remind me I'm stuck in it forever and always in this prison I can't escape from. What? What, Lori? Who are you? Oh my gosh. Like what? So good. I mean, you're really smart. That's that's one of the things though, you know, I really do think the more you write, the that's what you get like the more you write the more Mm -hmm. you're able to to really it's kind of just like this matter of trying to capture you get better at it trying to capture what you're trying to say because especially the scene in the woods (sighs) I was working on it and I was like I knew even consciously while I was working on it like okay I'm writing at a level I have not been writing at before like Mm -hmm. you know I know that I'm doing better work than I ever have done so that was that was a conscious thing which I think is awesome and I think it's really encouraging if you're a writer to say hey like suddenly I'm doing my best work and I know that because I've been working on it for so long oh yeah um for me like so like I'm like low-key work just writing for me not to get published but I'm like how do you make the dialogue so because one of the things that I really admired about your book was the fact that like your illusions and cliches were very like congruent to South Carolina and like when you have voices they're very different and distinguishable when you're writing draft one are you just being like the basic stuff and then you fill in the dialogue so it's unique or how do you work on creating a different voice for these characters and making the dialogue very different I'm very interested in that yeah so I do definitely write short drafts that's 
I okay. Well, a lot of times go back to scenes, and I have to. Especially, I'm bad. At, I'm, I write dialogue, but I'm really bad at filling in details. So, yes. like, I had several times. Which, like, wow, you filled those details, and girl. <laughs> they're like, they're like, I have no idea what anyone looks like, and a lot of times with that one, I'm like, neither do I. <laughs> so I'm really bad at describing what people look like. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? They're just blobs. It's fine. Um, they're all pretty and unattainable. There you go. <laughs> But the dialogue, yeah, normally I just, I write pretty thin. So I'll go back and kind of okay think about what I'm trying to have them say to each other, like what we're moving forward with emotionally in that scene. And, and a lot of times I'll write, especially pivotal scenes, a couple of different times, like five or six mm-hmm. times. I'm like, okay, this still isn't working. They're still not in a way that feels real getting, yeah. like sometimes people just start saying exactly what they think and you're like, that's no that's not how it works it's not how people yeah. talk in real life um, yeah and that's actually one of the things I'm working on a draft is something new and I'm like because I still think I do this sometimes I'm like stop having them say exactly what they mean like let's yeah you know just trying to like elevate myself in that way of like let's let's get the emotional across without having someone say yeah. exactly what they, I... what they mean totally felt that in this because you nailed like the inner monologue of people because not I don't know if anyone's ever tried to like write not even just writing a diary just like trying to write something down like thought perspective wise oh yeah your thoughts aren't like a paper like your thoughts don't sound like an essay and so to like to translate like what's in your head on paper and like have it still have that connect is so hard to do and you did it you nailed it a hundred percent I hope this is a giant pep talk for you. This is us just being like, and then I like this. Good. Well, like one of the things that um, we were talking about beforehand is that like, if you like all of these characters are Holden, like they're an unreliable narrator. And like, what's crazy is like, it's a lot Mm -hmm. of it is their perception of themselves and not always the reality that it is. Like in reality, they probably could have called. What's so funny is like, she called the police multiple times. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, come on, just like. (laughs) <laughs> but it's like um but because of her perception of herself um I think it's like very hard I, w- I wrote down in my notes I wrote Savannah symbolizes the perception of what she thinks people will see when they see her so Savannah is like this side character there's mm-hmm. a lot of drama and Savannah like bullies her a lot and like calls her out and she's like where are you going what are you doing and I'm like oh girl stop but I think that maybe you can tell me like I'd love to hear episode in this I think that Evelyn's so insecure and um, Reed talks a lot about how like people don't see Evelyn. People don't notice Evelyn. And she used to be like that. And um, Evelyn does that. She tries to be invisible. And so Savannah does notice her. She does call her out on stuff because of reasons. Mm -hmm. But the perception of, I think that Savannah symbolized the perception of what Evelyn thinks people will see when they do see her, right? Yes. Is that why she stays invisible-ish until she, you know, does all the dramatic things? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know, and Savannah like, was, no, Celine, was, you're off. <laughs> no, I, I think that's amazing. I, I never actually thought of Savannah that way. So I'm amazed that you're making me think of my own characters in new ways. Uh, yeah, oh, I mean, no. Savannah's, Savannah's kind of the tradition. She is what yeah. the town what wants. Does she She's symbolize? kind of the ideal mm-hmm. person in this uh-huh. town. And I don't, I think with Savannah, it's kind of the first character I've ever written because I always write kind of bad characters you know unlikable characters yeah women especially and mm-hmm. and savannah I'm like one of the you. first times <laughs> i've written yeah i've written someone like that who you only see from the outside not from yes. their point of view mm-hmm. and yeah. she has this moment at the end of of doing the right thing and i think it's like thank god when she does it I know, but like, 
Yeah. She's still not, you know, it's still like, okay, it's not you did one right yet. thing one time. She's yeah. not redeemed, exactly. No. So mm-hmm. that was no really my interest. No one's redeemed in a thriller, Anna. let's be um, real. <laughs> no yeah. one gets out with their hands clean. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I never really thought of her as the perception. She was just more the tradition. She was what, you know, if I think if, if Reed's mom ever actually said what she wanted, she wanted a daughter who was someone like Savannah, because that's Mm. so she kind of represents this traditional oh, you know yeah, for, yeah. for Reed for Ashton for and for Evelyn so she's the foil for everyone else of like what they think they need to be like and what exactly tradition dictates. yeah okay fascinating yeah. Mm-hmm. dang that's crazy mind blown <laughs> no I like I like your interpretation better honestly I'm like that's that's really interesting. <laughs> Can you tell that we read this like literally yesterday, like in a fever dream? I was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah, <laughs> it's fresh in our brains. <laughs> do you write? Can you like, because I know you you write your drafts, which also, can I just say, it's really comforting to hear that um, for like, especially for people that are interested in writing that like, you're not writing like you don't sit down and you write a book and you write it once and then you publish it and it's done like just to write one pivotal scene you're writing it six times like your drafts mm-hmm. are thin you're writing just and I think that people when it comes to like writing a book you don't realize like the effort the and you have to be vulnerable and you have to like know this is gonna suck but then like you make it better. like how does like if you have advice for people that are like in the middle of that kind of process what would you what would you give advice to <laughs> yeah it's I mean it's hard you're gonna suffer <laughs> That's definitely true. And this one too, because it was so structurally complicated. That was where I had to spend a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in the first draft, there's, there's read point of view scenes in act one and we kind of had the conversation, okay, this is too confusing. There's too much going on. So let's kind of build read up in act one to who she's, you know, this idea of ever who, whatever and has about her. And then she comes into act two and find out what she really is. Mm -hmm. So that's all kind of purposeful. And then you. I know. And I then like, it, liked Reed in the beginning, and then I was like, "Oh, girl, this this goes crazy." <laughs> um, yeah, and then in like Act Two, it was this matter of you're switching back and forth between Evelyn and Reed in every scene. So not, you know, I've written all these scenes, but now this time everything has to go together. You know, it's it's subtle, but like the scenes have to flow into one each other, into each other, even though they're flashback scenes. They all have to kind of flow yeah. into each other. So. Mm-hmm spending like so much time each other. making that work exactly even so. though it's happening like in the past like the scene that like it's crazy the parallels that you'll draw in between these girls things while also like building tension it's like what so yeah yeah, yeah. the so, timeline's I mean, the very unique is, yeah so I mean the whole thing is just like and that's just a small piece of what the book is but you know that took me a month just to do that there's so much that goes mm. into it so I think you just have yeah. to have patience with yourself I think a lot of times especially in young adults there's this kind of pressure to to be like having output 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 but I don't I think there's definitely room to have some patience with yourself to to spend time with it just to know that it's not going to be perfect the first try it probably won't be perfect the fourth or fifth try mm-hmm. you kind of have to keep working at it and you know I I think just to me it's like keep working at your craft one thing that I do is I will kind of do other forms of writing too so I've taken like I took like a comedy writing class at Second City when I lived in Chicago which is fun fun. and then I took like a sitcom writing class and I've written scripts and stuff so I think that kind of helps you hone it like a dial like you're going to get a lot of work on your dialogue when you're when you're writing scripts so that's Mm -hmm. one way to kind of start to do that and I've written you know Mm -hmm. I took a playwriting class in college so I'm constantly thinking about writing in different ways and I think that's how I keep you know keep 
keep it fun for mm -hmm. one it's fun to, to dabble in different areas yeah. but also you know try to keep improving my craft hopefully and and ultimately be writing stronger books so I just think I, I feel like there's a lot of pressure of oh you need to get published immediately but like you know I have this three-year gap between my my last book and this one and yeah someone say that's not ideal it's probably not in this industry but it, that this book took that much time you know it, it did that's what it was so I'm I'm proud of it and I'm proud it took the time it did we're proud of you too oh I thank know. you it just shows the effort <laughs> that goes into it I know and I've been taking over all the questions this year and I'm like and I'm like and then let me hog the thing no like, well we like we we have the same questions so it's perfect no. <laughs> I'm like literally like I'm obsessed well like this is my thing as like a podcast I think I'm still like obsessed with the fact that like we get to ask an author about their book and be like mm -hmm. when you were writing this what did you think like I'm how unique is it that you get to literally read something someone wrote and be like so why did you do this like that it just blows my mind that we're doing this right now like I know Oh, that's I, that's kind of fun too because I know we talked about if we wanted to talk about some of the spoilers of the book but I think that's like part of the fun is you don't often get to talk about things in this much detail and kind of like yeah oh here's why Reed doesn't come in until act two here's you know why this happens so it's kind yeah. of fun because you never really get to share. I mean unless you're a huge author you never really get to share those details so as a midlist author this is like the most fun I could have on a Thursday afternoon. Thank you. Thanks, we're like yeah. bottom feeder podcasters, but we're here to give you a voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's go. so fun though is I, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people who read books like I do and they're the exact same way. We're like, after I finish a, a book and I feel like it's like totally consumed me, I like jump online and I'm like, I need to learn everything about this person. Who was their inspiration? Like I just yeah. like consume as much as I can, like about how this book was written or who it was. And so I feel like this will is perfect. Like this is the things we wanted to give people like the, just that extra information that makes them feel a little bit closer to these characters. Yeah. yeah. And that can really like color in these details because honestly, because they're unreliable narrators, like Reed and Evelyn and Ashton, well, Ashton isn't narrated, which is crazy. Like the fact that he's so pivotal, but like, he doesn't actually have a voice in the book. I'm like, what? I felt like he was, but anyways, mm -hmm. it's like, oh gosh, brain, where were we just going? Um, oh, because they're so unreliable. My thing is like, it's like a fever dream. I'm trying to like understand what they're feeling, but there's so many emotions and twisted and like, like Reed's brain. Holy crap. How did you write her? Like, I know you said that you love writing like these complicated characters, but like my yeah. brain is like, how do you get into that place? Yeah. To write that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel I, like I light a fire. I get wear a bright green jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A bright green jumpsuit. I like watch a bunch of videos of Jan from the office. <laughs> Well, you know what my first I mean all three of my books people will say unlikable female characters you know people who do things that are unforgivable things like that and I never consciously set out to be like and now I'm going to write about you know bitches <laughs> like basically <laughs> like I was never like yeah and now that's but they're what fascinating to write and read about though you know what I mean it's yeah. like why are you the way that you are <laughs> and you're like and I was watch like, <laughs> let's yeah. let's show you <laughs> You know, in my first book too, when I wrote it, it was kind of the time of, of a lot of paranormal romances. And a lot of them kind of had this mm -hmm. trope of this uh, like super mean girl. And I was always like, why is she so mean? <laughs> What's going on here? What's the reason? Yeah, exactly. So that was kind of how I started writing my first book that's not published even is I was just like, well, who is this? Why are they so mean? Let's 
let's yeah. see, let's give it a try. So that was one of the reasons I started doing it. But with Reed in particular, I think I was kind of fascinated with girls who are, I don't know, it's hard to explain this. I'm trying to think of how to articulate it. It's kind of like there's these certain girls who are kind of like sex pots, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what they are to people. And that's kind of how I saw Reed as, even yeah. for Evelyn, she kind of to a certain extent is. is like Reed is super hot and confident and, and I want to be like that, or I want to be with, with her. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. kind of the feeling. And did I did not think see that coming until I was like, oh shoot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, how does even being seen like that affect a person, you know? So that was, yeah. in some ways what I was thinking about is, is she's kind of this, this standard character that you see a lot. She's like the hot girl who doesn't care what anyone thinks about her and says horrible things to people that are actually really funny. So she's actually kind of fun to write. You're like, I'm hilarious. You're like writing this like, I'm, that was hilarious. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I totally. <laughs> Go ahead, Hannah. Sorry, I like totally agree because I had this exact same thought. I like remember calling Selene, we got to a certain part in the book and I was like, most books that people read and most books we read have like, okay she's the mean girl he's the villain she's the love interest like and I'm like these characters were, are so multifaceted like they're all of these people like put into one and because mm-hmm. especially in, in especially in YA books like you do see the mean girl trope done so often and you never get to see like the inside of it yeah or if it's like in uh Victoria Aviar's books where like and uh Lee Bardugo's books where like the villain suddenly like becomes like a, has a main character part and then we end up liking like, her more the main character and we're like crap yeah. I love her <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely yeah so yeah I you know I think those I think those tropes do weigh on people though like when they're seen that way in in real life so mm-hmm. I thought that was so that was kind of kind of the backstory of, of Reed and how I got into that. Yeah, you definitely destroy tropes. Like love this it. is the trope destroying. Book. Oh yeah, I love that for you. Good, good. Yes, <laughs> that's one of the um, things I definitely. Yeah. Oh, I think. Is there any other questions that you want to ask Anna? I'm like, I think then we can like start working on um, like helping like end on a not yeah. on a good note. Is there what else yeah. you want to ask? No. I we asked all the questions we wanted to so what we'll basically just ask like you're publishing this and then is there anything else we can spotlight for you that you maybe have in the works oh and we do want to ask sorry we're like this is edited out so you can like no you're fine talking normally um (laughs) how do you fight off insecurities or imposter syndrome that would be I think awesome and just like how exciting it is to put a book out you know just like we'll just end we'll tie it up yeah. with a ribbon um but that definitely like we want all of your info so that way we can be like how can we follow you sorry yeah. <laughs> back yeah, to sure. recording <laughs> uh imposter how do I deal with imposter syndrome I I don't know I just feel like we all feel like imposters so it's fine yeah. I just kind of accept it yeah um you know it's it's kind of funny I'll I'm one of those people who actually likes to go back and kind of, I don't reread my books, but I kind of like scroll through them because sometimes when someone mentions something, I'm like, oh yeah, that was good. I'm going to go look at that again. I enjoy yeah. it. Totally, and yeah. like with this, I'll do the same thing with books I have coming out and I'll find sometimes I go read it and I'm like, oh, I'm a genius. Like continue yes. on. There's, there's nothing I can do wrong. <laughs> right. I'm like, why isn't this book huge? This is the greatest book ever. And then other times <laughs> I go read it and I'm like, who did this? Yeah. <laughs> why? So, we totally I, get I, that I totally yeah. get that oh so many times yes yeah so I I think 
I just you just kind of live through it I mean you just know it happens and you live through it like that's really all mm-hmm. there is I, I'm, I'm big on reselling the creative well so to speak I watch a ton of television I love watching short tv shows I won't really dig into you know Grey's Anatomy I've seen the first three seasons and I'm like that's good you know there's too much same <laughs> but like the Netflix eight eight episodes a season shows I'm like I love to dig into one of those just consume the whole thing in a weekend and then fill creatively refresh yeah, yeah. I do that a lot um but yeah other than that you know it is what it is that's kind of that's how I take a lot of things in life, like, hey, if you don't put it out actually. into the world then no one's gonna be able to experience the awesomeness which is you so yeah, yeah don't be exactly. afraid to get messy and like I think like something too is like anybody that's ever become successful at something, any overnight success probably spent about 10 years, like getting to the point where they could become, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, you have to be messy. You have to make mistakes. You have to put yourself out there. You have to write 27 drafts and you have to get rejected by, you know, bunch of, you know what I mean? It's like, and I think like people, they get rejected once or it's like, they write something. They're like, this isn't as good. Just keep going. Just keep making crappy stuff. Just Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. embrace the suck. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and it's too like, you never know what's going to hit with the market either. So you can't really live and die yeah. by that. So, you know, Ooh. some people have, some people have huge hits and it's always going to be their biggest work, but they might not think it's their best work. So it's kind of one of those yeah. interesting things. That, yeah. You know, even super successful people have these thoughts and these, these problems with this imposter syndrome. And I, you know, I just think it's part of life and you, you got to work through it. Like that. Yeah. That's pretty much all it is. Yeah. Get Embrace it, the suck. That's, yes. that's always good. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Lori, you're a gem. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's, what, Thank that's you so also what I tell here. myself in the morning when I look at myself in the mirror. Here we go. <laughs> Lori, I'm a gem. We're <laughs> out here we're doing it. it. Sometimes we just have to channel a little bit of Reed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I exactly. wish I loved myself the way Reed loves herself. <laughs> and the confidence. Heck yeah. yeah exactly. Um, but yeah, and then if you want to follow me on the internet I have yes. Twitter and Instagram the same him handle is Laurie L-A-U-R-I-E underscore DeVore D-E-V-O-R-E I I don't really participate that much in in um Twitter except to make jokes I think are funny like you know yes. once a week kind of throw something out there what else is Twitter for um, exactly. but if you like and tweet then- at her she'll just like she'll, she'll tweet back <laughs> yes I will I will that is true um yeah so was there anything else that oh. I wanted to No, I, I think this is perfect. Thank you so much for coming on our yeah, podcast and answering all these questions we have. And seriously, you were fantastic. So well, I hope this, this is as interesting to uh, <laughs> people who listen to your podcast as it was to me. <laughs> we enjoyed it. And let's yeah, be real. No, we had a good us. time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I mean, same. So <laughs> I get it. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It's, it was really yeah. fun. And thank you guys for, for, you know, reading the book and coming up with such great questions. It was, it was fun to talk about. We'll always be here. Oh, well, we'll we talk to you guys next week. It. Yes. Yes. See you guys next time.